Hello, everyone. It's Friday, July 28th, and this is Ray Renati with In the Green Room. In the Green Room is part of Wave Radio. Wave Radio can be found on all of your favorite podcasting applications, Spreaker, iTunes, everything. Stitcher, we're all over the place. Anyway, let's get this show on the road. Wow, I had an incredible week. As you know, as some of you know, I'm in France. And many of you have heard of the Palace of Versailles, or as they call it here in France, the Chateau de Versailles. And I was privileged to take a tour of Marie Antoinette's theater. They only let people see this thing like once a year for a very short period of time. And I was lucky enough to be here while they were allowing people into this incredible space built by Marie Antoinette herself. Well, she didn't build it. Her designers and builders built it. Yes, Marie Antoinette, the young lady who lost her head so... Oh, sadly, during the French Revolution, she loved theater. Loved it since she was a, a little girl. Marie Antoinette was Austrian, and her marriage was arranged to Louis XVI when she was a little girl. They actually sent teachers from France to Austria to teach her the French ways and the French language and basically how to be French. And... Her mother, not liking the the, the French uh, ways, if you will, I guess they were a little bit too wild for her. They, she kicked most of them out. But there was an abbey from the Catholic Church, a man who had adopted some of the newer ways of educating children, and one of them was through theater play. And he would teach Marie Antoinette, little Marie Antoinette in Austria, how to be French with theater games. And thus, Marie Antoinette, from a very, very young age, fell in love with the theater. And when she moved to France, she was still in love with the theater. But her father's father or grandfather, I'm not sure, Louis XV, was not a fan so little Marie, in the Queen's quarters, would recruit servants and other others who wandered about the palace to become part of her theater company. And she would hold little plays in the Queen's chambers and hide the costumes in a closet back there. One day, one day, the librarian, who was one of her favorite players, and who was one of her favorite patrons, if you will, of her little girl's theater, was caught outside in a harlequin's costume by a guard. And this was reported to Louis XV, and he was not a happy camper. So, being a nice guy, he allowed her to attend theater in the main theater in the... Grand Trianon, and she did that, but she still wanted to be able to do some acting herself and to recruit a company. So her husband, 
Louis XVI, by this time. They had to wait a couple of years to get married because they hadn't gone through puberty yet. But once they did, they got married, and he built her a theater in uh, the Grand Trianon. Now, she waited to have her inaugural theater a party, her inaugural ball for the opening of her theater until her father-in-law, Louis XV, kicked the bucket. And once he did, she formally started her theater company. But it turns out that the theater in the Grand Trianon was not good enough. So she moved it out of there and moved it into the building where they keep the orange trees during the winter so that they won't freeze. I guess it was a bigger space. But that didn't do it either. So, Louis XV or 16th, I'm not sure. One of them, no, it had to be the 16th. Yes, Louis XVI, her husband, allowed, allowed her to build the Queen's Theater, and that's what I toured. This was an experience I will never forget. You walk through the garden, one of the gardens uh, in the chateau, and there's a very nondescript entrance, and you walk through that, and then there's another little door, and you walk into this door, and all of a sudden magic happens. Through this door is a theater space. It seats about 250 people, and it's... A regular proscenium stage, but the people sit in the round, if you will. Um, it's a circular space for the seating, semicircular. And uh, there are about 10 rows on the floor, and then up above there are two balcony levels. The king would sit in his seat, and in front of him was a scrim, a screen. So they would keep it down so that everyone could see that he was attending. And then when the play started, the scrim or screen would rise. And if he was bored, that way he could leave and just have somebody else sit in his place. But you couldn't see through the scrim to see who it was. So if he didn't like the show, he could just take off and do his kingly things. I thought that was quite funny. Now, I got a lot of this information from my wife, my extremely patient wife, who listened to a recording in French of the person giving the tour. And so I need to thank her for that. It was very kind of her to take the time to do that. Now, the theater space itself, the stage is remarkable. There are a number of flats that are set on each side, and their, their use of perspective is, is done in a way that I've never seen. Um, the, the, the flats in the front go out about uh, 10 feet, and let's say as you work backwards, they slide in a little further each set of flats on each side of the stage so that you get this extremely deep effect. It looks like the stage goes way back, way back. It makes it look much larger than it actually is. And on the stage are these slats. They're, they're, they're just spaces with uh, mechanical pulleys. 
And all it would take is one or two people to actually change the set. They would pull some strings that were attached to pulleys. You'd be staring at the inside of a house, for instance. And within 10 or 15 seconds, all of a sudden, it becomes a forest. It was remarkable. Remarkable. They, They did a better job of that than we do now. I'd never seen anything like this. Then we got to go backstage. The lighting. Let me talk about the lighting. There were hundreds of candles, but when you're sitting out in the audience, you can't see any of them. But when you go backstage, you see all of them. Now, the candles that are there now are not real candles. They're things that look like candles, but they're just electric lights. They had sheets of metal or whatever that would come up and block the candles so the audience couldn't see them. But it provided very, very good lighting in that theater. And apparently Marie Antoinette used expensive candles that did not produce a lot of smoke, much like the candles that we have now. Apparently most people back then had candles that produced a ton of smoke, but there was some very expensive candle from Africa or something that she used so that the theater didn't get all smoky. And the scenes were timed such that they never went over about 20 minutes because that's how long a candle would last. Now, to change the candles, they would have these... <laughs> how do I explain this? These um, pieces of metal that would slide up out of the stage and block the view so they could change the candles. Someone down below would pull the candles out and put a whole bunch of new ones in, and all of a sudden the light would be perfect again. Let's talk about underneath the stage. Incredible. They had trap doors where they would uh, have actors get on platforms and pull pull a couple of pulleys, and all of a sudden the actor would come out of a trap door. They could fly people across on the stage. They had a way of communicating with each other. Stage managers would do 12 knocks on something, and then others involved in the production would do some other knocks. And all these knocks had a meaning about when the curtain goes up, when the curtain goes down. It was like a little code they had by knocking on the wall because, of course, they didn't have any walkie-talkies or anything. This was an experience I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, I think the big takeaway for me was that the engineering involved and the precision of the stagecraft, you could just see that incredible care was taken to make sure that theater provided the illusion that would allow people to become entertained and to suspend their disbelief even way back in the 1780s before modern technology took over. They could do what we do now in a much better way and probably more dramatically and also in a way that probably allowed people to use their imaginations more. If you come to Versailles Go on the website and see if they are allowing people to tour the Queen's Theater. And if they are, get yourself a ticket. I happened to to snag the last ticket available that week. 
It's it's a real treat. It's a real treat. So that's it for this week. The Queen's Theatre, Marie Antoinette. She was quite a woman, quite a woman, a lover of the arts. I heard she was very scatterbrained. She spent a lot of money, which is probably what led to her demise. But I think she was a very interesting and artistic, artistic woman. I could feel her spirit in the room. I really could. It was incredible. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. If you have any questions, just go to rayrenati.com and send me an email from there. Or write me at rayrenati at gmail.com. And for Wave Radio, this has been Ray Renati. And I will talk to you again next week. But until then, I'll see you on the boards.